everyone. Welcome to Dom and Jimbo's album swap. Um, June 27th, I believe. Yeah, June 27th, 2020. Um, we've got two pretty good albums. Um, uh, my dad recommended an album last week. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Feeling better. I was a little under the weather for the last like 24 hours, but feeling good and excited to do the podcast. How about you, Daniel? Uh, pretty good. Um, pretty long albums this week. I didn't get to listen to them as many times, but I still think I have some good thoughts about both of them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so the point of this show is me and my dad, um, each week we recommend each other an album from our past or from our music listening experience that is important to us in some way, or we think is reflective of our music taste or it just it is important and um and the next week we get together and talk about it and we bring my brother and his other son daniel with us who has relatively limited music uh knowledge um he isn't as experienced as uh, either of us but he does want to expand his music taste and every few weeks he will also be recommending an album um this week is one of those weeks so we only have two albums um, how do you feel about both of these albums that we recommended? Um, I don't know if they were as good as last week's, but I did enjoy both of them. I thought that both of them were a pretty good experience to listen mm-hmm. to, and I don't know, ready to go and talk about them. Yeah. So the first album that um, we're going to be talking about was the album that my dad recommended, Jimbo. He recommended... The I believe it's 1993 yeah. album, um, Candlebox by Candlebox. It's self-titled. Um, so why don't you give a little bit of history um, about your experience with the band? Yeah, definitely. Um, um, and what and where you think this lies in their discography? Yeah. So um, I discovered this album. You know, I, when the whole grunge movement came out. You know, with the advent of you know Pearl Jam, Nirvana, and all those kind of bands, um, there was kind of an explosion of Seattle and California-based you know rock bands. Um, you know, you had your huge ones, obviously, like I said, Soundgarden, um, Alice in Chains, Pearl Jam, Nirvana. Um, all those bands, you know, just exploded. And then there was like a kind of a next wave of bands that came out. Um, that were, you know, also in the same vein. And it was pretty much just like happens in a lot of music history where, like, say, for instance, the Beatles come out and then all of a sudden you see this backup explosion of um, British rock come out, you know? So that's kind of what happened here. And Candlebox was involved in that second wave, sort of. And I didn't like a ton of the stuff that came out, especially in the second wave. I, at the time, was not even that huge of a fan. I am now, much more of a fan of grunge than I was back then. But at the time, I was not a huge fan of grunge. Um, I thought it was okay. I thought some of it was better than others. I, at the time, was not a big Nirvana fan. Um, I liked more of the Alice in Chains and Soundgarden sound. But anyway, so yeah, the second wave came out. Um, I was not thrilled with most of it, but this one band that stuck out for me was Candlebox. Um, I liked their... Um, intensity. I like their um, musicianship. I thought they're they were a really good band. 
Um, and I liked their style. Like I just like the I just liked the way they sounded more than anyone, any other band that I had heard at the time come out. And um, they were definitely less popular than um, most of these other you know grunge era bands. They did have two hits off this album on the radio that were played a pretty good amount. So they were popular. Um, they had a definite amount of popularity, um, but they. I had a lot of people say that they didn't like them and they thought they were garbage. <laughs> I was like, okay, you have your opinion, that's fine. But I just really liked the way they sounded. Um, something about their um, their combined musicianship, something about the singer um, and the way he sang. I felt like more passion there than I had heard in other music coming out at the time. So I definitely enjoyed it. And this album, they... they I think they put... I, I don't even know, to be honest with you. I think they put out, like, a bunch of albums. I don't think they were together very long. They're still together, I think. They're still together, yeah. But, like, I think they might have kind of... They they kind of faded out and then came back again, like a lot of those bands did. Mm-hmm. But um, their second album was more critically acclaimed, actually. I want to say it was called Lucy. But I'm not 100% sure of that, even. Um, that might have been a song on the album. <laughs> But either way, I listened to the album. It was decent, but I thought it was nowhere near as good as their as this album. Um, so that is why I recommended this album as, as opposed to that one. It was called Lucy, yeah. It was called Lucy. And then they released another album in 1998, and then they took a break for 10 years until 2008, and their last album was released in 2016. Okay. I haven't heard any of that stuff. I should give it a listen. I mean, maybe it's good. I don't know. But, um... You know, I didn't really listen to them after that second album came out. Um, so, but the the Candlebox self-titled album, I just really loved. It really spoke to me. Um, it wasn't it wasn't an album I would consider great from start to finish, but it had a lot of good stuff in it. I thought so. Um, and I was telling my, uh, I think I might even said it on the podcast last week, but was, that was the first band, and that was the first and only band or musician at all that I ever joined a fan club of. When they came out, they had a little thing on the back of the CD. Hey, you know, send uh, send your information to this address and you'll be part of the Candlebox fan club. And I liked them so much at the time. I was like, yeah. And I was like 18 when that album came out. So it wasn't like it was like a younger kid thing I did. It was like a really conscious adult choice I made at the time. I look back at it mm-hmm. and laugh now because I just think it's ridiculous to join fan clubs, really. But um, I did. I did join their fan club. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's my experience um, with this album. Um, and, yeah, so, you know, I'm really interested to get into what you guys thought. You want to start off this time, Daniel? Uh, yeah. I'm talking mean, a bunch. I think that this was a very good album. I, I enjoyed a, a lot of it, I think. The beginning wasn't super good, like I didn't really enjoy the first two songs, but the rest of it was just, yeah, pretty good. Okay. Um, I'd say probably my favorite song was Far Behind. Okay. Which was one of their hits. Yeah, You and Far Behind were their two radio hits. Um, Yeah. I did like You Too, and... I mean, not U2, but... <laughs> this this week isn't about U2. I didn't pick an out yeah. U2 album. Um, you like me? <laughs> um, no, I did like the song U. I did like Far Behind. I'd say probably my two least favorite were the first two, Change 
being the lesser of the two that I didn't like. I like that song probably more than Don't You. But Don't You just felt like a weird way to start the album. Like, it was just... I don't know. There was something about it I just didn't really click with. Mm. That's interesting. I See, I kind of feel the opposite about it. I think they... Um, I think Don't You is a really good starter on the album. I think it kind of comes in right away and hits you. And it's kind of like a... You know, I don't know. I find, I find it a good first song. Um, but again... Mm. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I don't know if I really liked being hit as soon as I start the album. I sort of like being eased into the album and then hit, like, really heavy hits and then eased out of the album. You think I should have put, like, uh, Far Behind first or something? Or? Yeah, I yeah. think that would have been a good opener. Mm, okay. And something like you, like Don't You would have been better towards the middle. Yeah. yeah. I think the album... And I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but I think the album kind of goes up and down a lot. Yeah. And I don't necessarily think in a bad way. I think they could have made some better decisions on the album's um, order of songs. There's definitely not like a consistency. Like, not a consistent tone, I don't think. Right. Like, it's not... I, I don't... I think even if you like it, it's kind of like it's obvious that they just kind of made an album. And they didn't pay that much attention to how it all load together like they obviously put them in a certain order right but they didn't pay like it wasn't like a big thing to them like yeah. how much their album was like made sense yeah like, i think they had a lot of songs yeah that happens to a lot of bands and i don't you know i don't know if it's necessarily good or bad obviously albums that flow um work better a lot so you know i guess that is a, a, an issue with this album but um you know i think they're just a band that had a bunch of songs and i don't even think you know, unless you're already far into your creative process as a band, like you're, you know, years into your existence, this was one of their first albums, if not their first album. I don't know if they had anything out before this, necessarily. They didn't, but, didn't they? Huh? No, they, they didn't have an album out. Yeah, I don't think they had an album out before this. So probably what they did is they had a bunch of songs they wrote and they really liked and were all pretty good. I have a feeling like... You go in and the producer is the one, and at that point in your career, the producer is the one that, that puts them in order. Yeah, I think you maybe. just go and record each song, and he's and he makes that decision. So maybe the yeah. producer made a stupid choice. I don't know. I mean, there are a lot of bands where they are the producers. Yeah. And they take control of their own music very much. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Candlebox doesn't really seem like that type of band. But they don't have to be. You know, a band doesn't have to, like, blow your mind and make a huge conceptual album mm-hmm. to be, like, good. Right. They can just be like good at making individual songs mm-hmm. that you that they just like compile onto an album. Right. Um, personally, and I hate to say this, but I think this was the first album recommended that I didn't really like. Overall, there were certain aspects about it I liked, but but overall, I kind of found it to be boring and kind of generic. And may and I I'm not a grunge type of person. I like certain grunge bands. I like Alice in Chains, and I actually have been listening to that album. Um, after you recommend uh, Jar of Flies, and I started listening to some of their other albums too. Mm-hmm. And I like Alice in Chains. I like Nirvana. Um, you know, very um, top of the head grunge bands, and like I'm obviously not a grunge fan. Right. But um, I I don't know. There's something I'm not I'm not a huge grunge fan in general. Um, so it's not like if I hear anything from the genre, I'm I automatically like it a little bit. Like, 
Right. Yeah, I didn't find this to be very good. And there were certain songs I liked. I liked Far Behind. Um, I thought that was a good... That's a tribute to um, Andrew Wood, who who died of, like, a heroin overdose, I think. He mm-hmm. was... What was he... He was oh, was that singer. the guy from, um... He's, he was in Mother Love Bone. Mother Love Bone, yeah. And he was in another band that was somewhat... That that was, like, notable, too. I don't remember what it was. Oh, oh, I can look it up. Yeah, so he's the guy that... Yeah, so he's the guy that, um... The whole album, uh... Oh, God, I forgot the name of that supergroup with Pearl Jam and Soundgarden. Uh, oh, um, my goodness. Temple... Temple of the Dog. Of the Dog, yeah. That whole album... That they put together was about him too. So yeah, there were a lot of tributes to Andrew Wood after he died. Yeah. He's very influential yeah. in general, and a lot of them were just friends with him. I mean, the guys from Pearl Jam and uh, the guys from Pearl Jam mainly were were in Mother Love Bone. So um, yeah, you know, that was a big thing back then about him dying. Um, so yeah, that that song was a tribute to him, and it was, that's a that's a pretty good song. Um, yeah, but yeah, so. Uh, so that what was that was that your favorite? Yeah, that um, I like Blossom. Mm-hmm. I think the performance on that song is very good. And it's also just a Rain, very... Rain. I remember liking Rain. Mm-hmm. Um, the song Rain. It's very moody. It's mm-hmm. very. I was raining out when I was listening to it. It was raining outside, <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, this works." Mm-hmm. as like a moody rain song. Right, right. You know, so I kind of liked that. It's it it's kind of multi-phase too. It like it's uh, the first part of the song is very like slow and you can hear these like echoing guitars in the background, mm-hmm. kind of this down down like sort of thing, and then it gets louder and a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I would say that work that track works pretty well. Um, but yeah, like the first few songs, I wasn't really into it. Mm-hmm. Um, don't you? I don't think is a great opener but i thought it was it's one of the less boring parts of the album for me mm-hmm. like it's a faster song yeah um the lyrics are a bit generic but whatever um yeah and i knew going in i had you know i i know this is part of my catalog of sort of influential albums so that's why i picked it obviously because that's what we're here to do but i also knew and i think i not totally but i think i sort of understand both my son's taste in music and I had a feeling this wouldn't go over huge but I still wanted to put it out there because it is you know I even I can admit it is kind of generic yeah. white boy rock um it is kind of you know but it's it was my thing at the time and I still yeah. will listen to that album and enjoy it so you know that's why I picked it but I understand like Dominic said, his I understand his problems with it. They're yeah, they're very. I don't want. I don't know if I really want to say generic, but you know. And I mean, if that's what they come off as to you, that's fine. But like, yeah. I just think, you know, th- what grabs me about them is their musicianship more than anything else. Like I think, and um, I was a musician. I've been a musician most of my life. I was a drummer. Yeah. I played a little guitar, a little bass. I sang. Like I did a little bit of everything. So I like really listened to the musicianship of bands and that's what caught me about them back then yeah there's definitely some aspects i enjoyed the drumming a lot on some of the songs yeah i think that's pretty good in general like there's some interesting sort of things that they do with that i think the singer um i forget his name whitford no it's kevin oh i'm thinking of uh 
um, Kevin, I, it's not Kevin Moore. I don't think it's Kevin Moore. Hold, um, I, I will say I do like grunge music. Kevin Martin. Kevin Martin, that's right. I do like grunge music in, like, small doses. I don't, like, listen to it all the time, mm-hmm. every day. But, like, in small doses, if I hear some grudge, some grunge songs, I can get into it, like, Pearl Jam and, um, uh, Nirvana. Mm-hmm. Those, I like those, and I had never really heard Alice in Chains before you recommended Right. It. I mean, you probably heard him in the car with me playing my playlists and stuff, but maybe never really took note. Yeah, I yeah. probably didn't know it was Alice in Chains. What's funny is I almost just called the singer of Candlebox Whitfield Crane because it's funny. Back then, there was another band who was not anywhere near as good called Ugly Kid Joe. And what was funny is those, those two guys looked so similar to each other. I always got them confused, and that's funny. And I haven't done that in probably 20 years. I haven't talked about these two people in 20 years, and 20 years later, I still called him the other guy. <laughs> yeah. But... Yeah, they definitely had, like, a similar look. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you can see, like, on the cover for this album, mm-hmm. it has, like, that kind of edgy, like, writing on the top of, like, candle box, mm-hmm. and yeah. the, they're all just, like, standing in a field or something. Standing just, in a field of flowers. Yeah, you know, I... just looking all... Yeah, it's like a contrast, you know? <laughs> Four badass guys in a field of flowers. They're looking, they're looking all cool and grungy. Yeah, yeah. I don't know where I got this, but the Candlebox logo, logo sort of looks like the Evanescence logo. The Evanescence. Yeah, and like, like, the, like I get, the lettering. I get what you're saying a little bit. Yeah, like kind of the mm-hmm. uh, scratchy kind of vibe going on there, I yeah. guess. Yeah, and I don't it, remember. It looks like a weird like Tim Burton thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of yeah. like it, but yeah. it is sort of like... Yeah, it gets hard after a while to come up with, like, you know, the way you want your name. I mean, I know this from experience. I was in a band in the 90s, and we always had to come up with, like, you know, how our name would look and how our, what our logo would be and all that stuff. And it's, it's harder than people think. I mean, once you get signed, I'm sure there are people at the record company or whatever that do that for you. But when you're not signed and you're trying to make a name for yourself, it's really important that you're, you know, it doesn't sound like it should be, but it is important how your name looks and, you know, because you want people to remember it, you know? So yeah. that becomes a big thing. So I think they did good with that in that sense. And again, I don't know if that was their design or some guy at the record company, but either way, you know, it works. Mm-hmm. I think it works. I mean, it's, you know, it looks generic now because it's for, you know, four messy long haired guys in a field of flowers. It's like, okay. But. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I could be putting, like, the cart before the horse a little bit, and, like, maybe other people were generic, and I just heard them first, and that's why I I find Candlebox, like, a bit repetitive. Mm -hmm. Um, The album in general, I think, is a little repetitive, though, too. Like, Arrow, I think, is a little bit redundant, the song Arrow. Yeah, yeah, that's one of my least favorite songs on the album, actually. Yeah, Arrow is the, what's it called... I don't have all the tracks written down here for some reason. I guess I just didn't take notes on the last two. Yeah. Um, I, I'm it, just going to look up the track list. I think I full on yeah. forgot what the last I have song right is here, called. I want to see it, but... Oh, okay. The, um, just show me the last two tracks. Last two tracks? Oh. Um, Cover Me. That was my least favorite song. Really? I was just like... What's the that's one, one of my favorite songs, actually. That's probably my first or second favorite song on the album. What's the last song called? He Calls Home. Oh, that song. I'm, yeah, I'm not thrilled two. with that song. My le- two least favorite songs on the album are probably Arrow and He Calls Home. 
My favorite songs on the album were always probably Far Behind and and Cover Me, um, which mm-hmm. Dominic just said was one of his least favorite, Cover which is cool. Was, I don't, yeah, I don't like, know. I, 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 that was the point on the album. It was like Mother's Dream wasn't that bad, but then Cover Me came on and I was like, all right, I'm ready for this to be over. I'm, yeah, I'm you know, those two songs do... To pass I, I can, out now. Yeah, I can see those to feeling like they drag a bit to you. Um, Mother's Dream is okay, but I don't know. There's something about Cover Me that I like a lot. Like, I like the flow of that song. I like the vocalization he does in that song. Like, he's like, Cover Me, yeah. When you do blah, 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 you know? And, like, I just yeah. like the way the song flows. And I it was always one of my favorite songs on the album. But again, I can see how if you're listening to Mother's Dream and then Cover Me... They're both yeah. kind of like prodding a little bit, kind of yeah. Drag. So is he's he calls home, and I, yeah, I, I sort of liked the sort of dramatic aspects of Rain and Mother's Dream, and then that one I found a little bit more melodramatic, mm-hmm. where it was like, oh, okay, you're doing <laughs> this again. All right, I got it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Overall, I don't know if it's bad, but I definitely didn't like it. Like it's not something i would revisit yeah and i've I've, I've tried revisiting like the last two albums and there i found certain things i liked you know it's it's a different experience every time you're in a different mindset Mm -hmm. so maybe i will at some point yeah Um, but i I don't want to like the other albums i was like i kind of want to like there are certain songs i kind of want to revisit them again i don't really want to for like 90 percent of this yeah even if i didn't think it was bad or i thought some of it was better than the other stuff i don't feel like any of it was like worth me revisiting and i had a feeling you wouldn't love this album and you know i thought you know if there's anything you took out of it that'd be great and even if there's not that's fine too i mean that's why we do this you know Mm -hmm. like my experiences and my you know enjoyment of certain music is that is just that it's mine yeah and i don't expect anyone else to ever like it but it's like and it's like a nice surprise like last week i was surprised how much you two actually liked jar of flies yeah so that was really cool i'm not disappointed that you, you guys aren't thrilled with the canada box album um it's just a thing it's just like that's what happened okay cool you know um yeah yeah but definitely like it, my synopsis of it is yeah i didn't like i don't like Three songs on the album are not really great. I think No Sense is not great. I think Arrow is not great. And I think no, He Calls Home is not great. Yeah. The rest of the album, I like pretty much everything. I really like um, Far Behind, and I really like Cover Me. Um, and yeah. everything else is sort of in the middle of those two. So did, did you say like your favorite songs, your least favorite songs? Uh, Far Behind is definitely my favorite song, and Don't You is probably my least favorite. Okay. Um, okay. Maybe it's Arrow. Um no, it's Arrow. It's Arrow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Arrow's weird. I don't understand that song. Like, I don't get... It sounds like... What they're doing? Well, it sounds like it's supposed to be like a pick-me-up, because those yeah. Blossom and Far Behind are kind of, like, dreary yeah. a little bit and sad, and Arrow is like, slang Arrow! Like, it's very... Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind, I think it's kind of, kind of supposed to be like a pick-me-up in the middle of the album, like, oh, let's get all energetic again, but mm-hmm. that's not... Yeah, I mean, and they do technically get energetic, but it doesn't really work well. So, I guess we can all agree on that, that Arrow's the worst, you know. Collectively, Arrow seems to be the worst song on the album, collectively. And Far Behind, I guess, is the best, collectively? Yeah, probably. I mean, that's the one we seem to all agree on, too. Yeah. Um, You know, I like the way the album comes in. Uh, I know Daniel said he he didn't. 
No. Um, I don't know how you feel about the first two songs much, but um, you know, you said you. you um, I know you said you didn't think um, "Don't You" was a good first song. It's not my kind of first song. I can see it being good if I was more into like the music. Because there are album openers that just kind of like start and then straight into it. Yeah. And I, I can like tolerate and be like, all right, I'm into this album. Mm-hmm. Um, like some punk albums or even some other metal albums um, or grunge albums. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't like, I'm not very into like the music of this album. So I'm not very right. into it. Mm-hmm. And that's so. fine. Like you said, uh, if you don't ever revisit this album again, that's fine. You gave it a shot. I enjoy the fact that my son took the time, my sons, both of them, took the time to listen to the album. And that's all we asked for, you know. Uh, so I'm good with that. So Candlebox, I'm a big fan of. Um, yeah. I'm a big fan of that album, to be honest with you. I can't even say yeah. I'm a big fan of the band, because I didn't like the second album much, um, and I haven't even listened to anything else they've done since then. So, you know, this was kind of almost a one-off uh, for me, you know. Um, yeah. So, you know, that's that. It, yeah, they don't seem I, to be remembered that well. In general, from what right. I can tell, like the online consensus can, seems to be like their first two albums are okay, mm-hmm. and the overall, like it's not anything that worth noting. Yeah, and yeah, no, that's yeah. the way a lot of people feel about them. If I ever bring them up amongst like contemporaries of mine, friends of mine from you know that are around the same age and that were listening to similar music at the time, like I know my friend Matt, who I've been friends with the longest since I was about twelve or thirteen, he likes them, but he's like also very you know. Yeah, okay, they're fine. Mm-hmm. You know, they had a couple of pretty good songs. We used to jam uh, Far Behind a lot, actually. He loved that song. Um, he learned to play it on guitar. I would sing it. We did it a couple times out when we would do, like, you know, little local shows and stuff. But, um, yeah. yeah, overall, everyone's very lukewarm about them, which is fine, yeah. you know? I seem to find a lot of things like that. Like, I seem to find mm-hmm. a lot of things that people either, like, either I like an album by a huge band that other people that most of their fans are not thrilled about, like Alice in Chains. A lot of Alice in Chains fans are not thrilled about Jar of Flies. They think it was a weird step yeah. sideways for them. It's yeah. it's very critically acclaimed, but I think by fans, it was kind of like weird. Yeah. yeah. It definitely went in a different direction. And I think, it was, I, think, I think their fans were annoyed that it wasn't like dark enough or yeah. sad enough or something. I don't know. It isn't as metally as their other albums. Right. Though. Yeah, it definitely is not as heavy. It's very acoustic. Yeah. yeah, which is, you know, I guess another reason why their hardcore fans may not have liked it as much. And that's cool, you know, again. Yeah. But I find, I seem to always find nuggets like that with every band. Like, almost every time I like an album from a band, it's like their hardcore fan's least favorite album. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I, whatever. I respect artists that do something like that, that give something new a shot. Even if I don't like it, mm-hmm. I still, like, respect it. Yeah. Like, That's you know what? Want to hear something funny real quick? And I'm not even a huge fan of this band as a, as a whole. I think they have some good stuff. But U2, it's funny you said U2 before. U2 had that experiment out, experimental like like uh, poppy, almost dancey album. Was that U2, Zootopia or was that Zootopia is a Disney movie? Um, yeah, I'll yeah. Try to look it up. In like the I want to say it was the mid '90s. They came out with this album that was very like. Dancy and had like techno, like uh, parts. Uh, Zuropa. Zuropa. Okay. <laughs> that had lemon. Can you pull up a track list on it? If that had lemon and uh, let me see the track list. Everyone hated that album. 
Yeah, Lemon. And and while I'll say it's not, a, I will never say it. It's a great album. I loved the fact that they did something different. Yeah. And I loved yeah. the fact that it was so weird. Yeah. You know, and you know, That's... and you two might be one of the most white boy bands ever. They like they're they very are. generic. They tend to cut loose a little while and do something different, which is what they did on uh, Zuropa. 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 Yeah. I keep wanting to call it Zootopia. Um, that's what they did on Zuropa, and I thought it was just a really cool idea that they went a whole different way. Yeah. So, you know, and I would have arguments with people back when that album came out. They'd be like, this is crap. And I'm like, I don't think it is. Like, I think it's really cool that they did this. Um, it didn't, it didn't hit a home run, you know. I don't think it was, you know, a great album. Yeah. But I really loved the fact that they did that. So that happens to me a lot. Like, I argue with people about music so much because I have a weird take on music. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it is interesting because I'm, there are some, like, more myself albums. Like, I think the Mac DeMarco thing, I think more people would recommend This Old Dog, but I've recommended my personal favorite album of his. Mm-hmm. But, um, like, this album, the album I recommended this episode, I recommend it because I think it's... It's one of my favorite albums, but I also think it's very culturally influential. Mm-hmm. And I think you ought to listen to it, like, to understand certain things about, like, rap music today and, mm-hmm. like, um, Kendrick Lamar in general, because he's very influential to a lot of people today. And this isn't his most influential album either, but I think it's the best mix of, like, culturally, like, politically, and just, like, his best music, too. Mm-hmm. And, like, Prince put out a song in like the mid 2000s which was just entirely acoustic guitar mm-hmm. yeah and i was like i didn't know <laughs> yeah prince really did anything with the acoustic guitar Chris was, prince was just yeah i mean he was an amazing musician and he took a lot of chances and that's why he you know it wasn't always again it wasn't always a home run but it was always at least interesting yeah, yeah. so well while we're yeah while we brought up the subject yeah of, I, uh, I think we're getting a bit off topic I, I <laughs> should, we should probably give um, a grade for the album yeah oh yeah sure yeah um I'd give it a C plus. Okay. Um, Yeah, I'd give it like a C, C minus. Okay. C minus probably, yeah. Like it's like a, yeah, it's like a C minus. Okay. That's cool. I guess you can give yours. I mean, I wouldn't even give it an A. I would say B to B plus for me. You know, it's it's not, you know, I know it's not one of the greatest albums of all time. I know it's not, you know, but it's just something that's kind of a, almost like a niche thing with me. Like it's like, it's, it's there in my brain a lot and I think about it a lot and I like it and it's just you know and that's what we're here to do it's song and uh, albums that really resonated with us and stuck with us you know I mean I've had a lot longer of a span of a life because I'm much older but you know much older some, <laughs> but it's something I mean the album came out in 1993 so that's what almost 20 wait 20, it's 27 years ago 20 yeah 27 years ago so if something sticks with you for 27 years it must mean something mm-hmm. so that's why i stuck with that so yeah i'd give it a b plus ish mm. so yeah, so right now um we'll get into the yeah i joke around how to pimp a butterfly because when i first went to look it up i thought that's what it was called and my wife and kids both made fun of me <laughs> of course because it's they're like it's not a uh it's not a how-to book mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah but yeah to pimp a butterfly by kendrick Lamar. Um, Dominic, why don't you give us your, uh, background and, uh, experience with this album? Yeah, I mean, this album is very talked about all the time. It's considered 
generally one of the best rap albums of like the last 10 years one of the best albums one of the best concept albums um for a while like it's kind of like the wall of this generation i guess a little bit um his last album too his album before to pimp a butterfly called good kid mad city was a concept album too and it's very much more of a story album Mm -hmm. all this is more just kind of snippets and ideas sort of strung all together um at the end Mm -hmm. um and we'll get into how that is strung together because it's very complicated and a bit confusing maybe um it was to me the first few times i heard it um, but yeah, I've known about it for a while, I've listened to it, it took a while to grow on me, mm-hmm. like it has, um, the first time I listened to it, I was like, yeah, I get it, like, you know, I get, I was confused, and I was like, whoa, at certain parts of the album, but certain songs I was kind of bored during, and then they kind of grew on me a bit, and now certain songs I'm kind of bored by, I don't think it's a perfect album, but it is one of my favorites, it's probably in my, like, top ten somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, used to be like more like top five, but not anymore. Um, and yeah, uh, it's yeah, it's just I, I've listened to it over and over and over again. I've listened to it so many times, and I still feel like I don't quite get everything it, it's saying. <laughs> but um, yeah, hopefully I can make it a bit clearer to you guys, maybe um, if you have any questions about it. But uh, or maybe you understood it perfectly, and I'm just stupid. Um, but, uh... No, that's not my experience. <laughs> yeah, but. so, um, yeah, it's very long, so, yeah, I understand if you don't really get it, because I didn't get it very much. Like, I kind of did, I kind of got what it was saying as a whole, but there are so many things that I've understood about it more. Right. And I can, I can think of some things, because you've sort of hinted at certain things that I could, that I know I didn't like about it the first time I've heard it, that kind of, or I've kind of accepted, or I've have kind of grew on me a little bit mm-hmm. um but i can understand why you wouldn't like it now or why you might never like it right um so yeah um i'll ask you um dad what do you think about it because i asked dano first last time um overall super interesting um well put together um there were things about it i didn't like uh, i'll say that um mm-hmm. You can tell he's like trying a lot of times to have a very important subject matter spoken about in each of these songs, and I like that. Like I like the fact that he wants to tell you and inform you of, you know, racial injustice sometimes, um, and about different aspects of being a black man in America and how unfair it is. Um, yeah. I, I really get that message overall, and I applaud him for trying to put it out there. And he does a decent job most of the time. Yeah. Sometimes he goes off on these tangents about, you know, and he'll, he'll kind of get real, um, you know, he's kind of filthy sometimes. Yeah. You yeah, know? There's a lot of filth. There's yeah, he talks about language. his junk a lot. <laughs> yeah. That, um, and, and I think well, that's part of the image of the black man in America, right? Which is it's kind of why I let it slide sometimes. Yeah. It's still gross, and he's still like you know he, he's a rapper. He has sex a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he has like a wife now, though. Um, so I don't think I don't know. He might not anymore. I don't, he keeps his private life kind of secret. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he quite it lives that life anymore. And that's one of the points of this album, um, too. But I, I kind of interrupted your. 
whole thing. No, that's so, fine. And if you you know if you want to kind of step in and explain where he may be, you know, going with something at any point, I'm fine with that. But yeah, I mean, going over the track list, I know. I liked probably my favorite song on the album. I think was "How Much a Dollar Cost." Yeah, I like that song a lot. Um, the first song I remember not liking the first song very well, very much, which is strange because like it says that George Clinton is on it. Yeah, and I love him, um, but I don't know. It didn't work for me. The first song, maybe even the first two songs. Well, the second song says it's an interlude, which is like a. It's, oh, that's when it, he started, like, doing intro. that long... Is that when he started doing that long, like, just talking thing? I mean, he's still, like, kind of rapping, but yeah, he sort well, of... Well, yeah, rapping, I'm sorry. That's the one with the black woman is shouting at him. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, for free. That... I don't, it's not, I don't know, how, it's kind of an interlude, I guess, but it's it's sort of its own song. There's a couple of songs. It's For Sale is called an interlude. Yeah, but that's like five minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like when he was doing that, you know, rapping with very little instrumentation behind him, which seems like he seemed to do that a lot on this album to me. I don't know. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, to, here's one thing I will say about him. He's a su like supremely um, gifted rapper. Like he is yes. good at that. Yeah. Like there are some rappers I hear that I'm just like I don't know what he's saying. Like I don't know. I don't get his voice inflection here. Like I'm a very singer-oriented person and I know singing is not the same as rapping, but I also know what my ears enjoy, <laughs> you know, and what I can get into, you know. There have been rappers throughout the years, not a lot cuz I'm not a huge rap guy. But there have been rappers over the years that I'm like, this guy's good. Like, this guy's good at what he does. And Kendrick Lamar, I didn't know hardly anything about Kendrick Lamar before I listened to this album. So he impressed me with his rapping ability on this album for sure. Yeah. Um, is he, like, considered, like, a good rapper? Like, not just... Yeah. Like, not that he no, makes just good music. He's a good rapper. He's praised, like, by pretty much everybody in all fronts. Like, okay. songwriting... On rapping, on storytelling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's pretty... I mean, a lot of people... That a large amount of praise has gotten him a lot of hate, too, because people are just like, I don't get it. Um, I don't get why everybody likes him so much, so that makes them hate him, mm -hmm. which I get. You know, if you don't get it, it's kind of hard to, like, integrate yourself into music circles. Right. Um, if it just doesn't connect with you. Right. So, but, yeah, I mean, know. as a rapper, as his rap style and flow goes, I like him a lot. Um, as far as the, 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 the context and the matters that he's speaking of on the album, it's one of those things with me anyway, being an old white man, um, yeah. is like, sometimes it's like, wow, like sometimes it's like, wow, what he's saying is really important and like good, just good, like just interesting, good and important. Yeah. And there's sometimes when I'm just like. Oh, really? Like, <laughs> well, What are some songs that would you say are good in that respect and bad in that respect? Again, I really liked the entire thing of how much a dollar cost. Yeah. Like, that's, that, uh, that song 100% spoke to me. Yeah. Um, I didn't like things like King Kunta. I didn't, yeah. like, not that I didn't get it, but it just didn't speak to me. Um, what else? What, uh, did, what didn't you like about it? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess it is kind of about his, like, ethos and, like, black people. Like, he's kind of connecting to, like, 
Africa and like his yeah. heritage and stuff. And I don't, so in, in that theory, I don't mind that. I just, I don't think I, I don't think just I enjoyed the way he did it. Like I, you know, in theory, I, you know, of course you want to connect to your culture. That's great, you know. But I, I did just something that was like I just did. I just didn't enjoy it. I don't know. Like I, I don't think in my head he did a good job of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously I'm not a black man. I'm not. You know, I don't understand everything he's talking about. You know, yeah. I didn't grow up. You know, the way he grew up. And that's, you know, I mean, we're kind of getting into a space now where, you know, this is a huge topic in our country. That's probably why this album, although it's, when does this come out? 15? 2015? 2015. You know, I mean, it really speaks to what's going on five years later today. You know, yeah. a lot of it does. And I think that's why it's an important album. And I get why it's an important album. And most of it spoke to me in a, you know, in a positive way. Like, even though it wasn't a positive message necessarily... Like, I got why he needed to say a lot of these things and yeah. why he wanted to say a lot of these things. Because that's probably the beginnings, you know, of where this new revolution is coming from. Yeah. You know? So. I, I can see if you think he's just trying to, like, make, like, a whole political message. Mm-hmm. But that's, I don't, he is kind of trying to do that. But he's not as much trying to do that. It's more an introspective album. Mm-hmm. He is, um... Uh, tackling with these things himself. Um, Started playing one of the songs back. <laughs> yeah, but he's tackling with these things himself. Like, on a lot of the songs, he shows a lot of self-doubt in himself. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is about fame and how much responsibility he has as, like, a black... Uh, as, like, a famous black man mm-hmm. to, like, help people in, in need more. Mm-hmm. Um, with You know, who aren't as rich as he is and how much he should just look out for himself. Right. You know, he's he made it. Like, why should he draw attention to himself and make all these people angry at him and threaten his fame mm-hmm. um, by getting political? Right. But obviously he feels, like, the need to help you know, his fellow black men and, you know, help the needy, the more needy and, you know, try and get them off the streets and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so it's more about that. That is kind of, and, and it's also about life as a rapper. So the title, a lot of people make fun of the title because it's like to pimp a butterfly. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of, he makes the metaphor at the end of the album when, when he's talking to Tupac Mm-hmm. Um, about like uh, he he reads the final poem of the album, um, and it's uh, supposedly something his friend wrote about him. Um, and he talks about the caterpillar being this like hard shelled, you know, he lives on the streets, he keeps to himself, he hates the butterfly, but everybody else loves the butterfly. Mm-hmm. And the butterfly is what is inside of the caterpillar, but the caterpillar doesn't want to show the butterfly to anybody. Um, and when he talks about people loving the butterfly, he's talking about people loving when he shows his emotional side. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, his beliefs and his, what he really thinks. And the caterpillar is this jaded person who just want is this jaded thing that just wants to look out for itself and isn't beautiful. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of his tough guy persona. Right. In my opinion, and right. I could be wrong about that. Yeah. And that's his tough guy persona. That's his generic, like, cliched rap persona that he puts on a lot of the time to sort of fit in, I think, with everybody else. Mm-hmm. Which he likes doing, too, I think. But, you know, it's sort of, he feels he's betraying one side of 
one side of it if he's revealing the other too much. Right. I think. <clears throat> and yeah. he sort of says at the end, the butterfly and the caterpillar are one and the same. Right. So he's trying, in a sense, to pimp the butterfly side of himself on this album. Mm-hmm. He's trying to show everybody that while still being strong and still being, like, himself. Mm-hmm. He's trying to show everybody what beauty he thinks lies within himself while still being a rapper. Mm-hmm. And while still showing, you know, how strong he is, I guess. Right. Not that's... showing himself as weak. Wow, that's super interesting. I never knew any of that, obviously, because I didn't, you know, read up a lot about, you know, Kenny yeah. Lamar, obviously. But that's a super interesting, like, perspective on it. Well, it's not a perspective. I mean, if that's what he said, it's re- the reality of it. Well, I mean, that's what that's what I gleamed off of the poem and certain mm. things he said. Okay. So you guys listened to the album. So what did what was your first reaction? Because that's the thing that kind of blew my mind at the end when... Because I saw this 12-minute song at the end. I was like, wow, how is he going to keep this going? Mm-hmm. Um, but the, like the first three or four minutes are a song, and then it ends, and then he says the entire poem that he's been saying at the end of every song, mm-hmm. like pieces of it that he's been saying at the end of every song, and he says the whole To Pimp a Butterfly mm-hmm. album, and it's called Another N-Word. The whole poem is called that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I might want to pull it up. Um, but yeah, you hear snippets of the poem throughout the whole album at the end or, or beginning of every song. Right, right. Um, and that's, and that's, a, that's a, like, in, in and of itself, it, that, that's a really interesting thing to do. And I don't think I realized that's, what's ha- that's what was happening. So that's, you know, again, like you said, you needed, like, multiple, multiple listens on this album to really, and you know, not, not to enjoy it necessarily, but to really get it or to really, you know, think and see how good of an album it, it was so i think that's what would be necessary maybe for me um would be to give it more listens i think it's worthy of more listens so i would definitely do that yeah so let's start to dan for a minute and see yeah what he yeah thinks. um i thought this was a very good album i enjoyed most of the songs on it um i'd say my favorite song was actually king kunta Mm-hmm. I did enjoy that because I got the message of that song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the message is more of he does think that he has that duty to protect the people on the streets or whatever. Yeah. And King Kunta is sort of his worry about that letting it go to his head. Well, I think King Kunta was an actual, like, leader. Um, yeah. I... I yeah. I think I've heard of King Kunta before, but I think the whole song is a metaphor for how he worries that he's going to get so egotistical that he views himself as King Kunta. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe, yeah. And I also liked All Right. I thought that song was... I've yeah. heard that song before Yeah. in other places, and I knew like about the song. I knew it was a Kendrick Lamar song. And I liked it before, but I never knew, like, what album it was off. Um, I'd say the one song I didn't like was These Walls. Really? Yeah. yeah. It felt That is very, um, it's kind of a weird song. It felt very um, boy bandy to me for some reason, like, if these it's, walls um, could talk. It's very sensual. Like, it's very R and like, um, R&B-ish. Um, there's not, there's rapping on it, but it's very, like, sort of more poppy and like yeah, it features energetic. a lot of people on that song huh 
There are a lot of features on the whole album. Yeah. Um, he, there are a lot of uh, repeating features. Um, he uses Thundercat a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. If, I don't think you guys know that. He's like a like a funk soul guy, mm-hmm. he, like a new sort of guy. He he shows up on a lot of the songs. He shows up on the first song. He shows up on These Walls. He shows up on Institutionalized, I think. It's um. A- yeah, and he sh- and he he just kind of makes vocal like small vocal contributions in the background. There are mm-hmm. very few like rap features. Like right. there are a lot of singing features where they just kind of like, sh- like, sh- um, like help with the characters mm-hmm. that he's portraying and help with the the themes and the mood. Mm-hmm. Um, like there are like only three like actual noticeable like features of a voice, and those would be George Clinton. Mm-hmm. On the first song, where he kind of comes in and starts singing mm-hmm. um, towards the end of the first track, and then there's Snoop Dogg on the song "Institutionalized." Um, oh, oh um, then there's Rhapsody. There's the rapper Rhapsody on the song "Complexion," and then there's Assassin, who like I don't know. I don't know what he does. He comes in on like the chorus of "The Black or the Berry." Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, he's like the. I think he's Jamaican. I could be very wrong about that. That's weird because he's not on the track list. I mean, he's on the that song. Bar. Yeah, it's weird. Like everyone else is. Like, how much Dollar Quest has a bunch of people on it? Uh, oh yeah, that has um, uh, one of the Isley brothers. Isley. Isley brothers. Yeah. Yeah, and James Fauntleroy. James Fauntleroy. Yeah. Yeah, I just didn't like these walls. It was super. I don't know if I saw it as R and B like I, I thought it sounded like a boy band song. I guess so. <laughs> but I also didn't like institutionalized just because Snoop Dogg was really annoying on that song. Really, <laughs> like that he kept coming up in that high pitched voice, and I really just didn't get it. Oh yeah, he's he's kind of playing a character too, even though his feature is more noticeable. Like you can tell, like that Snoop Dogg mm-hmm. rapping, right. he's still kind of playing a character. Um... Yeah, and like Snoop Dogg. Yeah, I I like Snoop Dogg usually, like Snoop Dogg music, but he just doesn't fit yeah. on this album. Jeffrey Campbell is assassin, and yeah, he shows up on that song. He's Jamaican, and yeah, he you know like you remember like the part um, in the chorus after it's like the black or the berry, the sweet or the juice, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, like that like really Jamaican shouting. Yeah. Um, like uh, chorus thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's I think the black or the berry is my favorite song. Um, and it's I of, like that song. Yeah, yeah, that it's like was really amazing in my opinion. Just like the dramatic qualities and his like, like Kendrick Lamar is yelling. He's angry on that song. Mm-hmm. He's yelling about all the injustice yeah. and like everything. But he's also angry at himself for right. like not being able to do anything about it. And that come kind of comes out on the last part of the song. Mm-hmm. But the whole song is angry, and then it just like comes in, and it's like the black of the berry, the sweet of the juice, and then. It like explodes again, and that um, assassin starts screaming his Jamaican sort of patois thing, and that's right. just amazing. Yeah, in my opinion, yeah, that's why I think that's my favorite song on this album. Mm-hmm. You is amazing um, too. That's very like it's almost like a scene in a movie. He's in a hotel room drinking on that song, just like he's screaming at himself. He's screaming on that song. Mm-hmm. But it's more like a self-hate thing than ever. Like, he really yeah. is angry at himself. Mm-hmm. Like, the whole song, he's talking to himself. And if you listen to that song again, it's a bit, like, disturbing how much he's, like, just angry at himself. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
I just realized it's really funny. Both of the albums have a song called You. Yeah. Well, one is just the one letter, letter U. Just the letter yeah, U. Yeah. It's the word U, but yeah, that's, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, the song You is very, like, self-hatred, and then there's the song I, which was originally a single from this album, and it was very poppy, like pop rappy, but they use a live version of it on this yeah. album. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very much about, like, self-love and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's better that they use a live version of it because it has that, like, moment where they, where he's talking about self-love in the song, but then all of, like, the black people in the crowd, they start, like, rioting and, like, like getting angry at each other and he has to break it up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then he's, he's like, you know, black people are tired of playing the victim. We have to organize. We have to make sure that we, like, we know what we're doing. We can't just keep killing each other. Yeah. Um... Yeah. Which is like, yeah, so I, and then he says like a poem at the end of the song. Um, right. And it's just really like, listening to it now, like there are some songs in the middle, Mama, I find kind of boring. Yeah. For Sale, I don't like the For Sale interlude. I don't like either of the interludes. Yeah, yeah these walls, these walls I'm not a huge fan of. A lot of people love that song. He actually said that was his favorite song in the album, Kendrick Lamar. Said that what that's one of the favorite songs he's ever produced. Mm-hmm. I don't understand it. I think there's an element in, in this album, like you talked about with you, that I think the first couple of times, at least me, you know, everyone's individual, I get it. So I can say from my perspective, I think songs like that make me uncomfortable. And I think they make me uncomfortable because I don't get, I both don't get the struggle and I was part of the problem at some point, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, you know, you know institutionalized racism, and like all that stuff, you know, whether you realized it or not throughout your life, and especially as long as I've been around, it's, um, there's probably a guilt there. And there's probably a fact that if he's screaming about something I may have been a part of, it's, it makes you uncomfortable. And it's good yeah. that it makes you uncomfortable. It should make you uncomfortable. Yeah. And that's I mean, what that's... he's trying to do. And I get it. You know, but the first couple of listens, you're just like, oh, God, this guy's pissed. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I kind of, well, I mean, the, those hit me like the first time I, I, I listened to them. Mm-hmm. Um, like those were amazing songs, in my opinion, because they made me feel so like, oh, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. he's like he like I feel bad for him or like he's like angry like he is screaming mm-hmm. yeah yeah and you can feel it like it it's something you can feel and that's part of why it's one of my favorite albums because not much music does that to me not much music i get like the secondhand like anger mm-hmm. or like fear or depression or anything but this album did did give me like a lot of secondhand emotions for kendrick lamar mm-hmm. which not a lot of musicians or rappers or whatever are able to do right so what um, Daniel, I want to poke at your brain a little bit more. Like, what did you think of like the concept and like sort of what he was saying on the whole album? What is your like interpretation? I guess I I like the fact that it's so unapologetic, almost. Like, I feel like a lot of people would be scared to do something like that, but he's just like, yeah, this is this is white people's fault that we feel this way. Yeah, and like a lot of people are afraid to say that, and you know I believe that I believe that it's white people's fault that these sort of things are happening, and there's almost no way to avoid that. But a lot of people don't say that outright, and I have a 
ton of respect for him that he just did. Yeah. No, he's angry on this album. I think he... And um, he does sort of point out some hypocrisy that he feels, because he was in a gang um, Mm -hmm. when he lived in Compton. Mm-hmm. And he killed another man, another black man. Mm-hmm. And he said, it, he says at the end of the song, "The black of the berry." He says across the whole song, he's the biggest hypocrite of 2015, because he is getting so angry on this album. But he believes, and he hates himself because he killed someone else. He was responsible for the unjust killing of another black man mm-hmm. himself. And he feel he he like hates himself for that. And he also, if you listen to his last album, he talks a bit about. The death of his friend's brother mm-hmm. um, that happened while they were like fighting with another gang, mm-hmm. and he was he got arrested and he was locked up, and he wasn't able to be in the hospital for his brother's friends, who was also kind of his friend's final moments mm-hmm. after he got shot. Yeah. yeah. So he he talks about that on the song "You," mm-hmm. um, and that's one of the things he kind of. Um, like pokes at himself for right. a lot. Um, so I, yeah, it is a bit like very like heavy. Yeah, I think the fact that he rips off so many band aids yeah. on this album, internal, you know, the struggle he has within himself, external, the the struggle the you know <clears throat> the struggle of the black man and the entire world. Um, I, that's that's what I think makes the album uncomfortable for some people. And I think it's part of the genius of it. And I think it's really important. And I think the fact that he goes on such a personal and worldview journey in this album makes it super interesting. Like I said, there are parts of it I liked. There were parts of it I wasn't thrilled with. There were parts of it that made me uncomfortable. And then there were parts of it that made me like, oh yeah, like this is really smart. This is really interesting. This is really... like enjoyable to listen to on a weird level like because it's uncomfortable it's almost all uncomfortable <laughs> you know um and not in a you know i don't mean to make it sound like it's torturous to listen to this album it's it's a good album but there are times when you're listening to it you're like either because he's his you can tell his struggle is so real and it comes out in his lyrics and there are other times where he's getting a bit filthy and sexual and you're like okay you know (laughs) yeah but um yeah i just it's a good album and i think i think like you said in the beginning of your synopsis of it i I think it would take more of more listens to get really um into it a lot so that's my take on it yeah um rating wise i don't know i'd probably give it only after two or three listens, you know, um, I'd probably be about a B. It wasn't mm-hmm. super enjoyable for me, but it was it was definitely very good. What about you, Dano? I'd give it a B plus. I really like this album. Mm-hmm. And out of the two albums, I would have to say this is the album I preferred. Yeah. Yeah. I figured that. Well, um, what, is, uh, what was your reaction to hearing Tupac? I want to know. Because that <sighs> that's the thing. That was... I don't know, it almost made me really sad. Not even like I listen to Tupac a lot, but like... Knowing that he feels that like that way about a person, and that he almost feels like they're there with him all the time, it's a, that's yeah. the sort of thing that always gets me. Yeah. 
haunting. Yeah. Kind of. Kind of haunting. Yeah. That's that. So, what? How do you think he did that? I I, I don't know. I mean, I really don't know. I mean, it could I have mean, been a lot of things. It could have been a lot of ways. He, um, you can you can accomplish that. Um, piecing together. I don't know if he pieced together sound bites. I don't know if he. Um, like it, it was. I don't know if it was like an imitation. Yeah, he pieced together. He he used an interview. From Tupac in like nineteen ninety, like late nineties, mm-hmm. um, and he just he he didn't ask the questions that the interviewer asked, and he used different parts of the interview mm-hmm. um, in different parts of the conversation. Right, but um, yeah, he he, he asked he he wrote his questions around it, but he wrote new questions that he asked, sort of in relation to the album. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so that that kind of blew my mind the first time I was listening to it. I was just like, "What? What? What is going on?" <laughs> yeah, it's a really, really interesting thing to do, and you know, it's like I said, kind of haunting to hear it. Um, but it's super. It's a super talented thing to do. <laughs> it yeah. really was. So yeah, I'm glad you guys liked it. I did. I did. Um, and it would, and and unlike. Your Candlebox experience, I would definitely... Because I think it warrants more listening to... Because I think it would elevate my understanding of what was going on in this album. It would elevate my appreciation for it. Hearing your take on it, um, and even Daniel's, would um, make me think more about each thing he's saying in each song. So yeah, I'm definitely going to listen to this again. Um, I would like to get more of the message of what he's saying and appreciate more of what he's doing on this album. Yeah. So, yeah, I would definitely give it more listens and I'm glad you recommended it because it's, it's good. It's very good. Mm-hmm. Anything um, else to say, Dana? Nope. I think I've said all I can really say until I give it more listens. Um, mm-hmm. Do you guys have ready your next week recommendations? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I have a few ideas. I think I got it, but you should say it first. All right, so... I was thinking about all of the recommendations I've made so far, and they were, I mean, it's only been three, and yeah. they were all 90s alternative, basically. Yeah. So I'm like, I got to get out of that wheelhouse. I got to get out of that funk, because I'm more than that. Like, I know my music taste is more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought about it. I'm like, all right, do I go backwards? Do I go 70s or 80s? Do I come up a little bit? I don't have a ton of experience in anything under oh, past the like two thousands. Like there have been certain things I've liked and certain things I've heard that I like, but I never really took deep dives into too many albums after like the two thousands. Let's say, so the easiest thing to do first was for me to go backwards a little bit. So not only did I go backwards in time and get out of the nineties, I got out of the rock um, genre. So my now, this album was one of my favorite albums from when it came out. When it came out, I was about uh, 10 years old, I'm going to say, ish, mm-hmm. maybe nine. Um, I'd have to go back and see when, what year the actual album actually came out. But I am recommending um, Run DMC's Raising Hell. Okay. Okay. I know you guys have... A little familiar with that album. You know some of the songs on it. You know, everyone knows some of the songs on it. But that's definitely an album that, A, influenced me in a big way. That's, the you know, the first time I really ever heard and enjoyed rap music. 
Um, that is the first time I ever, like, you know, like I said, I was 10 years old. It'd be hard to imagine this now. But I started, like, getting into, like, breakdancing back then and, like, really mm. loving that culture because I thought it was just amazing. I thought what I was hearing, because it was so new, I mean, they weren't the first rappers, but they were one of the first rappers. Um, I just thought this sound and, and what I was hearing was just like, wow, what is this? This is really, like, fun and cool and different, you yeah. know? Because before then, my music taste revolved around either stuff my family was listening to. Like, my brother that I lived with at the time was very, like, southern rock-oriented. He listened to a lot... Well, just a rock-oriented, I guess. He listened to a lot of southern rock, but he was also, like, Bruce Springsteen and, like, you know, a lot of white boy stuff. Um, you know, and then, you know, my you know my mother was the more music influence. She was Elvis and, you know, I don't know, Paul Simon and whatever. So when I heard this music, it was like a slap in the face. It was like, whoa, what is this? And I actually own that album album. They, they had these things back there called albums. I know I'm messing with you because Dominic actually collects wow. albums. But I actually owned Raising Hell on vinyl. Mm. And I wore that out, man. I think I had to buy it again because I wore it out. I mean, from, from start to finish, I loved every song on it. You know, again, some songs are better than others. But definitely a huge influence on my life. And I think it led to me liking other rap as I went along. I think it like became... Since they kind of had a rock influence in their background music, you know, and then they did the song with, with Aerosmith, and, you know, they, they had a very rock background, even though it was rap. Yeah. So it made it easier for me to digest, I think. But, you know, I think that led to, like, my love of people like the Beastie Boys and um, just, like, a lot of other stuff. So, yeah, Run DMC, Raising Hell. I believe it came out in 82, 83. I'd have to go back and check that. I could be completely wrong. Was that 86? 86. Oh, my goodness. So I was 13 when it came out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was very wrong. But either way, hugely influential influential album in my life. And taking a step back from the whole rock 90s genre, I think that I, that that is like a perfect album for me to um, recommend this week. So that's my recommendation. Cool. So I was debating a few different things. Um, but I think I'm going to go with, um, I'm going to go with The Blue Album by Weezer okay. for this oh. week. Hmm. No. We have a very, uh, contentious relationship with Weezer in this house. Yeah. This is generally <laughs> considered their best album. I was actually debating whether to recommend their second album. Because that, that would also be an interesting discussion. Mm -hmm. But maybe I'll recommend that another time after this one because I think it's worth analyzing this one. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not going to say even what I think about it because I, I am not even planning on recommending good albums every time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, me um, neither. But uh, I will recommend this one um, and see what you guys think. This is their most critically acclaimed album pretty much. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it's generally considered that they're not, that they got, like, bad after their first two albums, or they got progressively worse. Right. Um, but yeah, so, you probably know a lot of songs off of it already, but, um, yeah, I, I, I that's my recommendation. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I kind of when I recommended the Candlebox album this week, I knew in the back of my head. I, I thought I might be surprised and you guys would like it more than you did. You guys kind of thought it was average, and that's fine. But, yeah, I kind of knew going in that I didn't think you guys would like that album that much. I didn't care in the sense that I wanted you to hear it. I wanted you to hear a piece of music history in my head just to see, you know, just to learn, you know. And I think that's also part of what we do here, you know. So yeah. I, I kind of had a feeling, especially Dominic, would not like this album very much. Yeah. But I still recommended it. Just in kind of like what you were saying, like I thought it would be an interesting discussion. I wanted to hear other people's view of it, you know, and that's that's I think that's how you grow as a music fan. So I feel like right. there's very little bands I don't like. Weezer's kind of one of those bands I don't like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we will see what you think of this one. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is, I mean, a lot of people who don't like Weezer in general admit that this album is good anyway. So right. I think I'm actually the biggest Weezer fan in this house. I like, I see, I, I from from the discussions we've had, I tend to like more of their stuff than, like I've heard you or Mom or, or even Daniel say. Daniel's not a Weezer fan. Yeah. I think there's very few songs he enjoys from Weezer. Um, Dominic is kind of middle of the road, and so is my wife. And I am more, I, I, I enjoy more of their stuff than they do. Yeah. <laughs> so, we'll see, yeah. I don't even know, like, I don't even need to talk about it now. We'll save that for next week. But, like, I don't, for some reason, certain things, I don't pay attention to what albums they come off of. So I don't even know what are the hits on that album. But I know there are some. But, yeah, so it'll be interesting to take a, take a journey through that album for me. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um, stay tuned for uh, next Wednesday for the next album. Um, yeah, we'll be talking about Raising Hell by Run DMC and... The Blue Album by Weezer, a.k.a. Weezer, because it's self-titled, but they call it The Blue Album, because Weezer has a bunch of self-titled albums. So I think it's just called Weezer on Spotify. Just look for the album called Weezer with the blue cover. Okay. Um, if you don't know it already, you pro- all, you all probably know The Blue Album, um, if you know much about mu- late 90s music or, or music in general. Um, but yeah, Raising Hell by Run DMC and The Blue Album by Weezer. Um, any final words before we go, guys? No, I mean tune in for two weeks from now, or I get to make my second recommendation. But <laughs> Daniel's gonna pitch his his week. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. mean I already have my. Yeah, yeah. You don't, I'm sure you're but, chomping at the bit. Yeah. Yeah, you don't care if they listen to the other ones. You just want them to listen. To <laughs> you should listen to the two albums they recommend this week, just so you can more understand what we're talking about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Follow um, along with us. Like we, you know, you know, if you're listening to this week's uh, podcast. You know, check out what we're going to be listening to over the next week and, you know, make form your own opinions and see what you think. Right. Yeah, we're going to be, um, we're going to try and get some sponsorships. We're going to um, pu- try to put it on YouTube. We're going to try and grow it and stuff. We might get a more social media um, accounts. So, yeah, look forward to that and we'll see you later. See you later. Bye. Later. Bye-bye. Bye.